Al, can you believe it? They've made a 16th Final Fantasy. Isn't that what you said when we ended the podcast last week? Al, can you believe it? They've made a 16th Final Fantasy. (laughs) No. Can you believe it? I can't believe it because I played it. How many Final Fantasy games do you think there are in total now? Oh my god, there's probably a lot because of all the like side stories and like Too tactics many. games and I mean does does Mystic Quest count as a Final Fantasy game? Because I think it was marketed as that in, in certain Yeah, I mean there's probably a ton of Final Fantasy games at this point. Does theater of them count as a Final Fantasy? Sure. And then, like, Kingdom Hearts could be a point five. No. Until three, and then it's just no more Final Fantasy. Anyway, there's a lot of Final Fantasy games. This one's the 16th. Are you looking? I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, from, from my counting, which may not be accurate, and also there's other stuff in here that they're like, this is, could be in here as well, but, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I counted, like... 88 Final Fantasy games. <laughs> wow. Welcome that's to Final lot. Fantasy 88. Wow. That's, that's a lot. They, they, should, uh, they should number it like that. Everything is just a numbered entry now. Bananas. Anyways, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Hello, I'm Jared. Joined as always by Doc Al and Ladyum. Hello. This is episode 342, and we're talking about Final Fantasy 16. Because they put out another one of these. They did, and we played it. We did play through it. Hot off the heels of Final Fantasy 15, everyone's favorite Final Fantasy game, of course. Is this hot off the heels? Yeah, hot off the heels like six years later, seven years later. (laughs) Whenever it's, yeah, seven years later. Oh my god. That's how that works. Uh, Yeah, we played through this game. It came out. We've talked about it a little by ourselves. We're going to talk about it for y'all, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course, let's start through the development of this game that came out on June 22nd of 2023. Only on the PlayStation 5 as of now. I believe it's going to come to like... PC and maybe other platforms in like six months. I think that's the exclusivity window for it. But regardless, only a PS5 exclusive for now. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about development of this here video game. Final Fantasy 16 was developed by Creative Business Unit 3, a development division within franchise developer and publisher Square Enix. The staff includes members from the MMORPG Final Fantasy 14 and multiple veterans of the Evil East universe, which I think is like the 12 and tactics yeah yep uh producer naoki yoshida worked on final fantasy 14 as both producer and director the main director yes the main director is hiroshi takai known for his work on the saga series and the last remnant oh god yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh kazutoyo my hero acts as creative director and lead writer yusuke hashimoto a former design engineer for level 5 was lead system programmer Hiroshi Minagawa acts as art director, while the characters are designed by Kazuya Takahashi. The logo fewer belts. Yes. The logo portraying the icons Phoenix and Ifrit in battle and tying into the game's themes and story is designed by longtime illustrator Yoshitaka Amano. Fortnite's Yoshitaka Amano, of course. Oh my god. 
Concept work for the game began in 2015 after Square Enix CEO Yosuke Matsuda approached Yoshida to develop the next mainline Final Fantasy. Yoshida, who was finishing up production on the Final Fantasy XIV expansion Heaven's Ward, understood the choices created business user you know, 1 had begun work on Final Fantasy VII Remake, but he needed to balance his work between Final Fantasy XIV and Final Fantasy XVI. To lay the groundwork, Yoshida assembled a small planning team made up of himself, my hero, and lead game designer Misatoshi Gondai. Yoshida decided to become producer as his duties as both producer and director for Final Fantasy XIV were too, too time-consuming to take on a second large-scale project. Takai, who had also worked with Yoshida on Final Fantasy XIV, was picked as main director for his experience on the series, his popularity among the development team, and his experience on visual effects. Uh, full production on Final Fantasy XVI began in 2016 following patch 3.4 of Heaven's Ward, when Takai and My Hero had found replacement staff for the, uh, for the next expansion, Stormblood. The team received development support from Tai Yasui's Kingdom Hearts te team in Square Enix Creative Business Unit 1, and a team at Platinum Games led by Takahisi Tara. When creating both the world design and story, the team took criticism from Final Fantasy XV into account. Yeah. Specifically, it's open world design and story delivery problems. <laughs> uh, Takai's main goal for the game was an action-based combat that was easy to use and a mature dark fantasy narrative that would tackle difficult themes. Yoshida wanted the game to cater to neither children or adults, but rather something that would reach players of all generations. He also I, wanted... Sorry, go ahead. That's interesting. Players of all generations, but it's it's... It's the M-rated. Yep. Okay. Oh, sure, sure. Anyway, continue. Kids play M-rated games. It's fine. I mean, you're right. I've worked at a GameStop. I'm aware, but... <laughs> uh, he also wanted to separate the game from commonly associated stereotypes such as an anime-inspired art style and a story focusing on teenagers. Uh, it was initially developed as a PlayStation 5 exclusive with a PlayStation 4 version being considered but abandoned so as not to limit the team's ambitions. Uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the staff needed to move to remote working, and production ended up half a year behind schedule due to communication issues with both Square Enix's head office and outsourcing companies. By late 2020, basic work on development and game scenarios was complete, and work was continuing on large-scale resources like boss battles and development tools. By April of 2022, development was in its final stages, with the team finalizing side quests. It was fully playable from start to finish by June of that year, with development focusing both on polishing the game and voice recording for different languages. Initially planned as a two-disc release, the team managed to fit the game onto one disc to lower production costs and issues with mastering. Not going to use that as a selling point for this one. <laughs> Tatsuya Nomura heard that and was like, all right, let's, let's up it to two discs. <laughs> let's go. Amazing. Uh, let's talk about design. Okay. Uh, when choosing the game's combat system, Yoshida conducted surveys within the Final Fantasy community, finding a division between fans of action-based and more traditional turn-based combat. After, after considering the potential impact on sales and modern gaming trends, he opted for a real-time action-based battle system. Yoshida admitted that the approach alongside other gameplay decisions was polarizing series fans, but believed that trying to please every fan by incorporating every element possible would run the, the risk of creating a half-baked compromise of a game. During the game's early production, the growing team had a system of designing gameplay tests and completely scrapping those that did not work, with Square Enix's upper management getting frustrated with the team's slow pace, which is very funny. I, I mean, wow. Wow. Considering people who have worked on Final Fantasy in the past. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, the team decided against an open world as it would have extended development time beyond a practical limit. Clive was made the only controllable character, with other party members driven by AI to simplify the player's control needs through... Though commands were included to allow for limited combat. Control. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wrong C word, of course. You did your best. I did. 
Uh, outside the Kingdom Hearts team, Square Enix had little experience designing action combat. Yoshida sought out Ryota Suzuki, a Capcom veteran who had worked on the Devil May Cry series as battle designer. Smart move. Mm-hmm. The battle system was designed around the idea of turning the ability system of Final Fantasy V into a real-time combat system. The icon battles all had unique mechanics that were not used again in-game. One of the earliest completed icon battles was with Garuda, with his foundation remaining mostly unchanged throughout production. There were no loading screens related to these set-piece battles, with gameplay and dialogue mixed into the final sequences. During the first half of development, an icon-based job system was intended for Clive, but was dropped due to its restrictions on Clive's in-game appearance. Classic Final Fantasy jobs were used as design inspiration for enemies and some NPCs. Hmm. Uh, Yoshida brought Myero on board due to liking his writing style and world building. While he accepted, Myero was also busy working on the Heavens Ward scenario, only starting full work in 2016. The initial narrative drew inspiration from the early seasons of Game of Thrones, with other it inspirations, shows. yes, including classic and contemporary anime based using or being used to prevent there being too many similarities. Myero created the initial script which was checked and completed by Michael Christoph Koji Fox. The game's dialogue was written before any of the game design was finished. The script was written first in Japanese and translated into English for initial dialogue and cutscene recording. The traditional medieval setting was, and style was chosen due to the team liking that style from classic Final Fantasy games, along with shifting away from the science fiction elements of more recent entries that was felt to, make, felt to be making the series static. Uh, working from the concept of icons having prominence, my hero created the world map and based the nations around their local geography before creating the story around that setting. Uh, while the game had a large, large cast and prominent female characters, the game was always considered as Clive's story and the relationships he forms with different people through the warring nations. The story's central theme was the clashing of values. Clive and Dion were designed as aesthetic opposites built around the archetypes of Princes of Darkness and Light, respectively. Crystals, a recurring feature in the series, were portrayed as an, an, an analogy analogy, there's the analogy. Word, to depleted fossil fuels, while Dominus and Icons act as analogies for weapons of mass destruction. Huh. A recurring marketing tagline, the legacy of the crystals has shaped our history for too, for long enough, was meant to symbolize both a break from the science fiction style and a questioning of the crystals' roles of bestowing power on humans. The icons were based on an established and popular summons from across the Final Fantasy series, with Ifrit given a prominent role to contrast his earlier portrayal, portrayal as a summon for beginners. Most of the story was told using real-time cutscenes and in-game dialogue, though pre-rendered CGI scenes were featured. These scenes were directed by Takashi Nozui. Uh, you want to hear about the music? I know it's your favorite I, part. I, I always love to talk about the music. <laughs> uh, Masayoshi Soken served as the lead composer for the game with additional compositions from Takafumi Imamura, Daiki Ishikawa, Saya Yasaki, and Justin Frieden, and arrangements from Yoshitaka Suzuki, Ryo Furukawa, Tomolo, and Keiko, many of whom had worked had who had already worked extensively with Soken on Final Fantasy fourteen. Soken had worked with Yoshida and Takai on Final Fantasy XIV and was brought on board due to his familiarity with Yoshida, Takai, and My Hero's world design style. He described the music as having a singular direction inspired by the overall dark fantasy setting, contrasting it against the variety and lighter tones or tunes for Final Fantasy XIV. Initially asked to provide 140, the game's, total, uh, game's fine total was over 200 songs, including variations on established character themes. He attributed the large number of songs to the wide variety of characters and, and situations, wanting to avoid repeating the same music too often. Having worked a long time on Final Fantasy XIV, which used multiple styles and paid homage to the entire series, Soken had trouble adjusting to composing for a single player with a central narrative and musical theme. The music was the last element to be put in place after the narrative and gameplay were set. One recalled episode from the music writing was a bardic song performed both in spoken and sung form by a trained singer and actor that would change depending on Clive's position in the story. 
The song has proved difficult as he needed localizing in several languages and recording a cappella, which resulted in issues with the pitch and tempo. A problematic track to include was the recurring chocobo theme, which had an established <laughs> light tone and odds at odds with the setting. Rather than the full track, it was included as a short jingle. Vocal lyrics were written by Fox at Soken's request, with one of the vocal pieces being the victory theme. To create a sense of otherness without using a made-up language, Fox translated his lyrics in ancient Greek. The theme song, Suki wo Mirete, Moon Gazing, is being written and performed by Kenshi Yonezu. Both Yonezu and Yoshida expressed pleasure and enthusiasm at the collaboration, as each was a fan of each other's work. Hmm. So there you go. Uh, and then... They announced this game in September of 2020. Uh, there was a second trailer that was supposed to be ready in March that got released in June because they held off on it due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then they did some other stuff. <laughs> Wait, there's no Japanese lip syncing? There is not. It's all English. Wow. 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 I like this quote. Uh, compared to other recent Final Fantasy titles, there was no plan for tertiary content such as downloadable content and books instead of having the entire story told within the game. Got him. Uh, oh, that's so funny. That's that's intense. That's um, funny. It's really, really funny. Uh, of course, here at the end, we got to talk about this part. Mm -hmm. uh, there was criticism, uh, criticism from the team's explanation of the game's lack of ethnic diversity. Speaking on the portrayal of ethnic diversity in the game's world, Yoshida stated that its re relative lack of diversity fitted into both its medieval European setting and the in-universe isolation of Valestia's lands. He admitted potential representation issues, but foresaw problems with both breaking player immersion in the setting and problematic stereotypes being associated with protagonists or antagonists. The team ultimately decided to focus on the characters' personalities and narratives over their appearance. In a follow-up, he noted that the game's world was inspired by cultures from across the world, acknowledging that some might disagree with their approach. There was a similar response inspired by Yoshida's reluctance to classify the game under the JRPG moniker as he was uncomfortable with the negative associations historically attached to the term. It's a very interesting dichotomy there at the end. Yeah. Um I I um I, I mentioned this to you when I first started playing it, that since I have played it now and there are many, many undertones and overtones of slavery in this game, it's like, yes, probably a good move on that. Um, yeah, like I could see that being very problematic very quickly. And there are, there are brown people. Yes, there are brown people. Um, so it's not entirely white Europeans, <laughs> just mostly. Um, but I could see that getting real dicey. Yeah, like the the response at first, because obviously I think people may not have been aware of the 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 full story of the game and whatnot at the time, mm. wasn't great, and I think it still isn't great. But right, the idea of trying to create a story about that mainly revolves around wizard slavery, yeah, makes that a little bit more complicated than just like if it wasn't about that for per se. Yeah. Um. Another thing with this is that it was it was banned in a few countries, I think, mm -hmm. um, because of content that they refused to cut. Banned in Saudi Arabia. Oh, it was only Saudi Arabia? Because they didn't want to give them blood money, probably. No, it's because there was a gay kiss. Oh, yes, of course. That too. I mean, that I guarantee that's what it was because they weren't going to alter games content. Like, they weren't going to cut out the gay kiss. 
Yeah. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, also, I guess worth mentioning that this is the first M-rated like, Final Fantasy. Well, that's not Main true. Stranger Final Fair- Fantasy Mainline game. Final Fantasy. I had to catch myself there because it's like I can't I can't forget Jack Final Fantasy. Jack Final Fantasy walks so Clive could run. You're right. You're right. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game has a 87 out of 100 on the Metacritic and 93% on Open Critic. Uh, it's been kind of divisive in terms of what people think about this game for sure. For a variety of reasons, not just like one particular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has sold over 3 million copies in the in its first week of release. It was the best-selling retail game in Japan that week, with 336,027 physical copies being sold. I'm sure it's probably sold even more copies since then. Most likely. Yes. So Final Fantasy 16. It's a video game. It's a video game. Uh, I know there's been definitely some talk about what is a Final Fantasy game, especially with the past couple of iterations? Mm-hmm. And that the series as a whole is kind of like lost what it actually is or like doesn't know exactly what it is anymore. It's lost. It's kind of lost its identity, I guess, is the, the way to say it. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously, you know, before it was a traditional JRPG series up to like 12 and 13, essentially, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously when you get to 15, it changes a whole lot. Now this is just pure action game. Right. So it's definitely been a series that has been changing over the past decade for sure. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. It, it you know, it depends on who you ask for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a thing. And yeah. one, th- one thing that I keep thinking about when I, like think about this game is that Final Fantasy never was one single thing mm-hmm. and it was like that by design. Yeah. Like there's a reason why they're not attached to each other until like 10 2. Like they're 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 very different games. They wanted to do very different things narrative gameplay wise. Like Final Fantasy 8 is one of my favorites and it is so completely bat different than all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um that I think it's unfair to say that there is one thing that is a Final Fantasy. Yeah, and like if you look at even just through like each individual game's gameplay, like they're all like for the most part they're mostly different from each other. Like they'll mm-hmm. tweak some things here and there. They'll do some different ideas from game to game. Like I feel like the, mm-hmm. the only ones that you would say are probably like real similar are maybe like the first three to four. And that I mean that makes sense because of like limitations of the mm-hmm. the hardware. Yeah. Um, but then like once they have some some flexibility, you know, you have stuff coming out like five and six that are so very different and then seven comes out and you know, it's aesthetically different and um like the 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 setting is entirely different. Eight's um, its own thing. Eight's its own thing, and then nine goes back to some of the more traditional style and then ten's its own thing. So like it, it, you know there there's it's never been one particular thing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a series that has changed and evolved over the past 30 plus years. Mhm. Which I feel like if you're going to have this many games you in have a series, to. you yeah, you kind of have to or else it's going to get very stagnant. And mm-hmm. like if you 
there are definitely people who are going to be put off by this game because it is not a JRPG, and that's fine. Like, yeah, you are totally fine to have that opinion and everything. You are justified in thinking that, but there are there are arguments that. Yeah, but I think if you're looking, if you think Final Fantasy is going to continue to be a traditional JRPG series, like I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. No, and I mean they've made it very clear that mm-hmm. that's not going to be the case anymore, and especially now that this one's been so successful, I don't think it's ever going to be the case. It might yeah. be like the side games might be, or you know they might do more stuff like Octopath Traveler. Yeah, like I think if you want traditional JRPG games, like there are so many other series that are doing that and doing that very well. That go play the Trail series. You don't necessarily need Final Fantasy to continue to be that. Like it can continue to be its own thing. Right. Right. Like I said at the beginning of this argument, like, I think it's unfair to be like, well, this isn't a Final Fantasy because, like, Final Fantasy has always been different. I think the problem is that 15 was such a show Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, how it was presented, how everything was put together, that people are just, like, somewhat jaded of the series. Yeah, sure. I think that that's really what the problem is. Um, Because, like, 13... Didn't go over super well, but then, you know, there are people who really like 13 and the, the sequels 13. Obviously, 14 has been a really big hit for them. Mm-hmm. It was just that 15 was an absolute mess. And so, like, they were trying to figure out, well, how do we release a Final Fantasy game that gets some of the goodwill back <laughs> with the with the name? Yeah. Um, But also, it's still, like innovative in a way and is the game that they want to make mm-hmm. those are my thoughts yeah like I said I think it's just you can definitely look at it and see like the series is in a weird spot and has yes. been for the better half of a decade now mm-hmm. um, but again like especially with how this series you know has changed over time in terms of like who is making these games? Like, mm-hmm. it's not the same team that's been making, that wasn't making, like, the the first games that everyone loves. Right. Like, that team is gone, 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 gone. It has been for a long time. So like A long time. Putting different people into these spots is going to make different games than necessarily what you would expect. They're going to have, they're going to bring different ideas to the table. They're going to bring different themes, different stories, and all that sort of stuff, so... I think we're going to continue to see this series constantly evolve and change. Maybe one day they'll eventually wrap back around to making a traditional JRPG. Like that, that would not be surprising in the in the slightest. No. But I think for now, like, it's just not going to be that series for the time being. I also think it was very very smart for them to bring in Suzuki to help with the the gameplay. Yes, that was a um, real good move. Because this definitely has the. Uh, the motifs and the stylings of a character action game, like your mm-hmm. Devil May Cries, like your Bayonettas, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Um, it doesn't necessarily, I feel like, go full into that, but I feel like if you're making a game that's catered more to a broader audience than those games are, you mm-hmm. don't go full into like that no, kind you of don't. gameplay. No, um, you like, don't. You could do cool things with like combos and everything, and like it definitely allows you to have that style of gameplay, but it's not like grading you on it or anything like that it doesn't go like full blown into like wild combos and all that sort of stuff like those games tend to usually do so it's definitely kind of a more toned down version of that but it works very well for a game like i said that is going to be catered to a much bigger audience than those games ever will be yeah the 
the combat is something I did not have a problem with in this game. No, it's very good. Uh, it's very snappy, flows very well, uh, feels very good throughout the entirety of the game, especially like when you continue to get new powers and everything. Mm-hmm. You definitely feel like you're getting stronger. Like It's definitely one of those games where... Like, you know, it's a character action game, so it is not a game that makes you feel super duper powerful. It's a game about looking, the gameplay is about looking cool as Yeah. Throughout the entirety of it, and that's that's exactly what you feel like when you're playing this game. It's wild, because you can make some bananas combos. Like, I, by the end, I had, um, like, Phoenix and Ifrit together Mm -hmm. with some moves from that. And then I had Ramu just by himself. Um, but then I had like Titan as like my main my main um icon, but then had um like a Shiva move mixed in there, and then I had a um was it an Odin or Bahamut? I had another move that was I think it was Bahamut that I had, and I'm just like, okay, well this is weird, but here we go, have fun. Because yeah, it it basically allows you to level up moves in the gameplay and then like once I think you master a move you can kind of just like throw it in wherever you want yeah which is a very neat idea that allows you to really do some mixing and matching in terms of what you want to do in terms of how you want your style of gameplay to be which I think is a very smart idea for them to do really allows Mm -hmm. you to have kind of more custom ability than if this was just like a straight action game where you're just like ah ah, ah, hit 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 yeah yeah (laughs) punch 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 well, like Titan's whole thing is blocking, so that's mm-hmm. part of why I had Titan in as like an icon that I could deal with is because that blocking was nice. Yeah. And they of course give you like there are special accessories you get that can mitigate some of the the combat to make it easier for you. Like there's one that allows you to like have a a, a, a wider window for dodging. I use um, that one. I think there's one that... There's one that auto-dodges for you. Yes, auto-dodges, and then there, there's the one that basically makes it so you can just do all the combos with the press of a button, which is what I use because I'm not good at character action games, so it just yeah, makes me feel very too. cool throughout the entirety of this game. And I was like, yay, this is neat. Yay. Well, and I mean, even then, like, I would still, like, switch between my, my icons and press the buttons that I needed to press. Like, mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like I was limited to just pressing one button to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it I still, still had to do, to do like, all that. dodging yeah. and all that. Yeah. So, um, but it, it did help me to be able to focus more on dodging and not dying all the time. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and it also automated um, Torgal. Yes, which is very nice. It was very nice. I can't imagine having to also do those commands. Oh, it'd be a, it'd be a lot. Be it'd be hectic. a lot. It'd be a lot. It'd be a lot of thinking. I, I respect people who can do that. I am not one of those people. Head empty, brain empty. Let me push one button. Basically, yes. Basically, yes. <laughs> um, one thing that I wanted to circle back around before we like get really deep into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit about the music. Yes. And you had mentioned um, when we talked about this before we recorded that like you were used to the style because of fourteen. Correct. Um, and the whole time I was playing, it was just like. I cannot get into this. <laughs> like I, I didn't feel like any of it was like memorable, and um, I was just kind of like, eh. 
but you were used to the style, so mm-hmm. it di- it didn't hit as meh for you. No, the only thing I felt like though is that like it was all music I had heard before. Is the only like weird thing about it. It's like oh, I've, I've definitely I feel like I've heard this before because it's just it's very much the the Soken style of like you know there's there's choirs throughout. It feels very mm-hmm. like bombastic and epic at times. Uh, it's it's very much the style he uses in Final Fantasy fourteen as well. So it's like all these songs. I'm just like yeah, I feel like I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen this one before, so like I wouldn't say it was like bad or anything, or like any any of that, like or it didn't hit for me. It's just like it's it fair. was weird because it just felt like it was music I'd already heard before. No, that makes sense. And he also leans very heavily on that prelude. Yes, it comes in a lot. <laughs> I was like, oh, hello again, prelude. That's a, that's a Final Fantasy game for you. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's true. Yeah, I was just I was just like, wow, that's a lot of prelude there. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention that before I forgot. No, yeah, yeah you're, right. you're right. You're right. You're right. Head empty. Head empty. Brain empty. Yep. Um. Well, let's talk about the story of this game. We're not going to dive fully into the like the depths of it because we would be here for another like two hours, and I don't really want to do that. No, you I don't have really work to do it. later, so that's I not going to be good. I do. Also, um, there are Mario Kart tracks to play. Maybe potentially. No, they're out. They're out. Oh, I just I just saw. Well, that that that's good to hear. <laughs> um. But yeah. Uh. We just want to go over a couple of things here and there. There's going to be definitely some spoilers because we're going to talk about the ending of this game, which is going to be a very contentious moment. Uh-huh, Not really, uh-huh, but uh-huh. we have differing opinions of it for sure. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, let's talk about story. If you want to dive out before spoilers happen, get the get out of here. Get, get out of here. <laughs> Come back next week. See you next week. Please. Um, I think the one thing that I was kind of worried about when going into this game is that they made a big deal about how this was people from the Heaven's Ward expansion of Final Fantasy XIV. And we've talked about that earlier in terms of, you know, when they were designing the game and developing it and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, and for someone who's played through all of Final Fantasy XIV, that expansion's fine. But I feel like the writing doesn't really start getting good until the next expansion. And then from there, it just continuously gets better and better. Ah. So... Hearing that this was like the Heaven's War team, I was like, okay, I guess that's fine. But this isn't going to be like, this isn't going to be the same thing when people hear like, oh, people from Final Fantasy XIV are making this, which people now I feel like have heard for the last couple of years, like, oh, the writing in that game is really good. Like, this is not mm-hmm. the same team who does that. Right. It's a different writing team altogether, I feel like. Um, so hearing that, I was kind of worried about how this story was going to be and everything. And. I feel like it kind of ended up how I thought it was going to. Where I was like, the story's fine. Uh, it definitely, the last third of this game is not Ooh, good. It is not in good. In terms of the story. Like, it just, the main problem is, like, it, it, you get hit back, hit back to back with two villains who are just very poorly written and just very boring. Milk toast as f- Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and the pacing of the last third yeah, of yeah, it's yeah. really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, um, hey, do you want 10,000 side quests right at the end? Yeah, and also, like 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 you mentioned, the side quests in this game are not great. They're, they no. almost feel very MMO side quest-y. They do. Of just, like, go do this thing for us. Okay, cool. Like, there are some side quests, I think, that give you interesting story. Like, they'll give you interesting mm-hmm. story for some of the side characters. But they feel very few and far between compared to just, like, oh, go do this thing. Yeah. All right, cool. Yay. Yay. 
get a little bit of reward. Congratulations, you did a thing. Yay! Gold star, Clive. So yeah, like most of the side quests are just kind of. Eh. Usually, eh. the like decent side quests are the ones that give you an item for your room. Give you an item, or they'll give you like an upgrade of some sort or something like that. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, those, those are, are good those too. as well. Um, I did like the use of the hunt system. Because that's another callback to Final Fantasy XIV. There's a lot of callbacks to Final Fantasy XIV in this game. What? Which is unsurprising. Who could have um, seen that coming? But I like the idea of, like, you just go out and like, you can fight, like, tougher enemies. Even though, like, it's very weird that one of the <laughs> first S-rank bosses you fight is the hardest one you will fight throughout the entire game. Yep. It's very odd and peculiar. It's so weird. Also, the Moogle is adorable, and I loved listening to his stories. That's just a Final Fantasy XIV Moogle, let me he, tell you. He's so cute, but I, I would go and talk to him. I was like, tell me yep. about what you've been doing. He's like, I've been up to chaos. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> and I'm like, bro, you good? I always loved it when I would go talk to him, and there was like a new uh, like option to tell, like have him tell you a story. I was like, please mm -hmm. tell me a story. One of my favorite characters is that Moogle. It's real good. Real yeah, good. there's like there's so many model borrowing from Final Fantasy XIV in this game. It's very funny. Like there are just multiple enemies you will see that I'm like, that's that's just I know that model for sure. I know that model. I know that model. <laughs> Some of the enemies that you fight in this game just straight up use attacks from Final Fantasy XIV. Like the dragoons use all like the dragoon attacks. The ninja uh, enemies use ninja skills from the game. It's it's very funny to see just like how much <laughs> they just borrow from that other game. Mm -hmm. which I guess makes sense like hey they've worked on that game they know how that works so like why not yeah but no, it's, I, it's very funny like the orchestrian uh, jukebox thing that's just that is literally just straight out of Final Fantasy 14 just colored a little bit differently oh is it it's the exact same model oh that's funny and the idea of orchestrian rules is something from that game as well so that's really funny there's all of that it's, it's very funny to see all that um I liked a lot of the side characters in this game. I thought they had some of the better writing in this game. Like, Gav's great. Love that Gav's boy. Love I, Gav. Especially because you really think when you first meet him how, like, he's just going to be a nothing character. They're probably going to kill him off very quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's that. But he's just a bro. He sticks with you to the end. He's got those yeah. three rat tails. It's real oh good. Oh, my God. They're braided rat tails. Yep. <laughs> and you just, like, riff off of each other constantly. Like, you're, you're, you're just hanging out with your bro and making jokes yeah. with your bro and I'm like I love this guy I thought he was going to be a throwaway character and he is not that at all mm -hmm. love really him good. Uh, I like the blacksmith and the, the lady who sells you stuff those two are real fun characters those are fun uh, Sid of course is very good he's very one of the good. best uh, main characters in the game even though they kill him off fairly early on I was very sad when that happened because mm -hmm. I did really like Sid. Even though they called him, like, Sidophilus, and I was like, what the f*** is that yeah. nerd name? <laughs> Sidophilus. <laughs> Just like, all right. Um, yeah, the lot of the women characters in this game are oh. not written. Like, I think they are interesting characters, but they this game does not do a whole lot with them is the problem. No, I mean, like... Uh, I'm blanking on her name. Which one? The 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 bird gal. Uh, Bene Benedicta. Benedicta. Uh, Benedicta. Like I thought she was gonna be a pretty cool character and like do some things, and then nope. She dies very early on, obviously. Very early, and then Jill gets like one moment where she's super cool, and then they just like 
backseater for the rest of the game. Yeah. Which is lame. Not um, great. The, the, um, what is it? Hote? Yote? Um, Yote. Yote. Uh, Joshua's attendant, like, mm-hmm. barely know anything about her. She seems like she should be a cool character because she's in this, like, weird secret society that yeah. is made just to protect the Phoenix. But this is, like, I don't know. We'll we'll show you a couple of scenes with her, and then she'll just be sad when Joshua's gone. Right, right. And then, like, their mom had a lot of potential to be, like, a really interesting character. But instead of, like, all right, here's this 2D villain. Have fun. Yeah. It's like, oh. Okay, y'all don't know how to write women, I guess. I mean that is that is a common complaint in it Final Fantasy com- fourteen Final as Fantasy. well. So, in, in Final Fantasy generally, yeah, I mean, you like, can say that too. You're not wrong. Um, you know, it's it's had some problems. Uh, but I mean, know, even I, like with this writing team in particular, right, 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 it is, right, it is a common complaint. So, and it sucks because Jill had such a high point that I was like, okay, okay, and then nope. Yeah, no. like, like you said, they they do some cool things with her early on, and then just once she gets her cool thing out of the way, it's just like, all right, who cares? Whatever, you get to just be sidekick now. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, and like doesn't really get to go with you anymore except for like a couple times. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Um, like I told you before that that neat part with her, I was like, eh, she's kind of boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, well, wait till you get to this part. And then I got to that part. I was like, okay, I get it, I get it. And then they're like. Well, that's not happening ever again. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, like even uh, like mid Sid's daughter, like mm-hmm. they let her if you like do a couple like they do a cool thing where she drives a boat into a wall and like that's fun. That's fun. But then like she just doesn't really have that much else to do regardless. Right. Yeah. She so. just kind of sits there and is like, "What do I do in terms of building things?" And yeah. Cool. So yeah, a lot of the women characters in this game could have been written a lot better. A lot better. Could have done way cooler things. Um, I did appreciate that in terms of like side characters, you did have a pretty prominent character who runs a brothel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she was extremely generic in terms of like her design and all that. Um, but I was like, okay, okay. Um, like that's actually pretty, pretty true to history that like. Madams from brothels were super powerful. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'm into that, but they didn't really do much with her either. There was uh, the one character, Martha, mm-hmm. and I feel like her story was kind of very strange from the get-go because like, her whole characterization is just like, well, I keep bears, but we do good things with them. It's fine. And it's just mm-hmm. like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And she's just like, well, I let them die in peace. And it's like, um, are you... Are- I I don't think I don't think you're doing this right. Well, I'm the good slave owner. Don't worry. That's what it felt like. It yeah. felt like the whole like, well, our slaves are our family type like <laughs> southern narratives and like, mm-hmm. oh god, that yeah. ooh, I don't like that. So that, that was not great. Um you know, whatever helps you sleep at night, Martha. Yeah. Poof. Yeah. Um, Torgal's a good character because he's a dog. He's a dog, and he's a good dog. I'm so. 
gen- it's wild because everyone like going into this game was like they better not kill the dog don't kill that right. dog he- Torgal only gets into like trouble one time and it's when you're fighting against uh, Benedicta yeah and then after that he's just he- there's no trouble to this dog whatsoever no and there's a trophy for petting the dog which is brilliant it's very good um the the side quest with Torgal at the end made me cry like straight up made me cry and it's bad that I cried more about the side quest with a dog than I did for many other things in this game. Look, the dog's very good. The dog's very good. I'm still surprised the dog lived this long because, you know, yeah. maybe it has to do with the fact that it's a magic wolf dog. But um, It's a tough dog. It's a baby when you first get it, but it's still, tiny pupper. still like 18 years. That's a lot of time for a dog. Strong dog. Strong dog. Strong There's... dog. Oh, and the the chocobo also. Chocobo yeah. has an is an eye patch. That's pretty cool. That's pretty good. But I was like, how are you still alive? But then I also realized, like, I don't know the lifespan of chocobos. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, like it's never really been addressed of how long do chocobos live. I mean, you don't get to make your own chocobo and name it Booger. That's kind of a bummer. But you do get a chocobo with an eye patch, which is pretty good. And we also found out that chocobos loaf. Yes. <laughs> Which was good. Um, I remember I sent you that message and you're like, this is the most Al thing mm-hmm. I've ever seen because I just sent you a message that the Chocobo loved. I was like, the Chocobos can loaf. Little loafing Chocobo. All <laughs> caps. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. But yeah, Torval, I'm, I'm glad nothing bad happened to Torval. I love Torval. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we should talk about Clive. He is our we main should... character, after all. Yeah, he, he has big old chest. He's got that Makoto Naegi chest style. You man's built like a Dorito. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the main character. He's very, he has a lot of sad boy hours. He really has some sad boy hours. Throughout this you... game. And you first play as him when he's 15. Yeah, he's, he's a little, he's a little, little baby. Little baby guy. He's the, the. The shield. The shield for his brother Joshua, mm-hmm. who is the, the dominant of the Phoenix. And seems sort of unwell. Yeah. Like, it's they don't ever explicitly say it, but it seems like he's kind of, like, in poor health. But apparently he's fine when he comes back 15 years later. Yeah, by the way, Joshua doesn't die. Shocker, I know. Yeah. Surprisingly, <laughs> the Phoenix. Um, Rose you know. from the... He took a Phoenix down. Basically, yeah. I mean, that's what the Phoenix does as a night or as a like a summon in most of the games is it revives you. It is, it is funny how like they build that up throughout the first like couple hours of the game, and then like immediately they're just like, oh yeah, by the way, he's not dead. Yeah, he's not dead. <laughs> Super not dead. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Clive is sad boy hours because he thinks his brother's dead and he's been put into slavery, and also like he needs to he needs to find the person who killed his brother. Yeah, and he also just gets sad boy hours throughout the rest of the game at times. Even yeah. though like there's there's also times where he like, you know, he gets over his sad boy stuff. He he deals with everything he's got to deal with, and then if something else comes in sad boy hours, and then he'll yeah. f- he'll figure that out and the other thing comes up sad boy hours. Sad boy hours. So, at one point you get naked sad boy hours. You do get naked sad boy hours. You may you see this man's butt a couple of times. You do see My god, when he was first in that jail cell and he was naked and I was like, "What?" Why are you naked? Yeah, why are you naked? But then I was questioning Sid. I'm like, why did you make him naked? Sid, why did you make this boy naked? You didn't have to make him naked. 
Sid, wanted, what is wrong with you? He wanted to see that chest. I mean, I don't blame him. Oh, boy. But, but also, like, you don't have to imprison him for that. Yeah. Um, But it was a little strange. He was naked. I'm like, this feels a little shoehorned in. Um, But also, I was like, well, I guess I get to see this man's a few times. That's... <laughs> I, I can't complain about that either. Yeah, I, I thought Clive. There's there's times that where Clive is, I think, is very good. Like very he does good. a good job of like uniting all the people to his cause and everything after he becomes Sid and all that. Um, and is good at like you know forming all these relationships with people that you probably wouldn't expect to come together and all that sort of stuff. Like I think he does good stuff with that. Mm-hmm. But then I think there's also times where he just kind of is one note and one dimensional and. Mm-hmm. I think again, that's just a problem with the writing in, in general with this game. No, I agree. And um, for the most part, his voice actor is very good. I think it's Ben Starr is the name. Um, but then there are moments where he just like it's, gets, it's half and half. It feels like he gets so low and whispery that I'm just like, what the f- is he saying? <laughs> oh, I gotta talk like this for some reason. I, I, I had know, like, it's like I'm out of breath. <laughs> I had the subtitles on. And I also had my TV cranked up to like 40 when I normally have it at like 15 mm-hmm. because I couldn't hear him. I'm like, it's, it's, it's a weird choice for sure. Sad boy hour. Speak up, my guy. He was very, very breathy. Yeah. You know who right. wouldn't be breathy and wouldn't be a sad boy hours? Who? Jack Final Fantasy. You're right. Imagine he, him in this game. He put on some new metal and be ready. He would have finished this game in like half the time because he would have got <laughs> stuff done. Ultima, like, dead. <laughs> he's just like, you know what? I, I don't have time for you. I don't have time for this. Yep. Let, let's go. <laughs> what a good character. What a good character. God, I love <laughs> Jack Final Fantasy and I love Stranger oh, Paradise. Why is the game so good? So good. So good. Um... Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there should be more of letting Clive say f- you. Yeah, they they do say the f- word a lot they for do sure say in this f- game. Word a lot. They definitely say. It. Um, and and there's there's some there's actually not as much boning as I expected. Yeah. Um, like there's some there's some it's not boning per se, but there's some stuff at the beginning, and then like there's some nudity that happens with like Barnabas and Benedicta that's not explained at all, really. And it's weird. It's very soft core yeah. scenes. Um, you get to see Barnes, Barnabas naked a few times, too. Yeah, you get to see him naked like, with his mom at one point. Yeah, that was grody. Um, Being a real mother f- Yeah, really. <laughs> um, I saw someone wrote a review and put that exact phrasing in there and was like, normally we wouldn't, we can't, we can't cuss in these reviews, but this is an accurate statement, so it, my editor allowed it through. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Um, and I knew that I knew that line was in there. I was kept thinking like, "Who is the mother f- in this game?" And then I finally got that scene. I was like, "Oh, oh. gotcha." Um, I didn't mean to move away from Clive, but uh, no, you're fine. I, yeah, it, it was. But we do get a naked scene with Clive, and I mean, not with him in jail, and there is bone in there. With him and Jill on a beach, where there's getting sand in their parts. Oh my god! The whole time I was like, "You've got rocks in your ass, man." Just grody. Like, it's not gonna be fun. And Torgo's like, "They're being a bro," and like, "I'm not looking." Like, <laughs> y'all, y'all do what you gotta do. Have fun. Um, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not touching your boobs or anything. I'm just 
stealing your power stealing your power no no big deal all right let's let's have some rocky sex um you did get some kisses though and i was like all right well that's it took them long enough for that to happen god they didn't kiss until they were in their 30s good lord which i will say I did appreciate that we were playing as a protagonist who was like thirty three years old. Yeah, that's cool. Like, said, like I mean, they said earlier when they were writing this, like they didn't want to like rely on this is teenagers yet again sort of deal. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that like your most of your party and the characters you meet are all like adults and all that sort of stuff. And I thought we were going to be twenty eight, which I was like, oh, cool. You know, that's fine. But then they did a time skip, and then nothing really. <laughs> Random <changed>. time skip again. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why didn't they just make it like a year or something? But you know, whatever. Um, you had to take time to get the new uh, hideaway set up. Ah, uh, yeah. So like, Clive is thirty three. Jill's thirty. Uh, I think that made um, Joshua like twenty eight. Something like that. I'm glad that the the age gap between Clive and Jill is better than i initially thought because when we played through the demo which is obviously like the first couple of hours and it's like essentially like sets up the rest of the game it's when they're all mm-hmm. kids and everything like i could yeah. not tell the the age difference between no nope, i Jill. couldn't either and i was just like hmm i don't know about like I th- she looks way more at, she looks closer when, to joshua than yes she does that's, that's what i was gonna say like she looks way closer to joshua's age than clive and that time period so i was just like mm. yeah it was, it was <laughs> a little <laughs> sus it was a little sus um because there's a five-year difference between Joshua and Clive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 28. I can math. Um, so there's two years between him and... Uh, or between uh, Jill and Joshua, which uh, is better than it could... It's not as bad as it could have been. Um, but, yeah, at the beginning, I was like... Is she, is she gonna be <laughs> I don't know just, about this. Because <laughs> she looks like a child. Yeah. I mean, not that a 15-year-old's not a child, but, like, there's quite a bit of difference. In she doesn't a, look a... like a 12-year-old. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Regardless. But, yeah, we were playing as Sad Boy Hours as 33, mm-hmm. which, like, yeah. There's some Sad Boy Hours that happen when you're 33. Yeah, I can tell I... you. I can tell you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish they had done some kind of, like, model differences, really. Like, I think they gave Clive more facial hair and made his hair a little bit more wild. It doesn't, there's not much difference between him and 28 than him at 33. And even like for anyone else you meet as well, like they, not a whole lot different between Jill them. looks the exact same. Jill looks the same. Gav is the same, except he has no, he has one eye now. Yeah. That's about it. Everyone else basically just looks the exact same. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to give me a five year time skip, like. Do some, some, do some difference. fun things with it. Yeah. Yeah. He's just been wearing his dad's outfit for five years now. He has. Making no changes whatsoever. He's nope. doing his thing. Um, let's talk about villains. Hugo! Hugo's very... Okay, to be fair, Hugo is kind of one-dimensional. He is. But he's fun. He's fun! <laughs> he his is powered by is spite fun. and anger, and that's all he needs. Yeah. His woman got taken from him, and he's like, I'm gonna get my revenge... And he does it through some very wild things. He does. I mean, like you said, Hugo, Hugo is very one-dimensional, but that one dimension was at least entertaining. Yeah. Um, I mean, who else is going to get their their hands cut off and still bash the ground with his nubs? I mean, that... 
Right? That's so weird. But it's also very in character for Hugo to do that. Yeah, 100%. He's just, he's just bashing the nubs in the ground like, wah, wah. And then just loses his mind and sees Benedicta naked with Clive at one point. And Clive bites her? Yeah, he's a vampire now, of course. Yeah. It was it was something. Uh, this I think this also can lead into like the icon fights, which I think are probably some of the best parts of this game because they are just ridiculous, super over the top, bombastic, ridiculous. They are just big kaiju fights, and they are mm-hmm. very cool to look at. Very just ridiculously fun and just super duper over the top. Easily the best part of this game, honestly. Yeah. Like the the fights you have, the fight you have with uh, Hugo the second time with the, with the Titan fight is just. It rules. It is wild. It rules. <laughs> and I like that um like one of the things that you end up doing in that fight are removing his hands again. Yep. It's like Sorry, you don't need this anymore. Whoop. Whoop whoop. Um Benedicta Gerda was fine. Yeah, it's a good tutorial fight. Yeah, um, we we didn't get to fight Ramu because Ramu was just gifted to yeah. us. These these fights definitely give you the idea of like, yeah, people who worked on from Platinum Games and the dude who mm-hmm. was a combat designer for Devil May Cry definitely mm-hmm. worked on this game because they yep. just that's those kinds of fights essentially. Yep, just these huge wild set pieces with like giant enemies and everything. It's just it is very much in the style of those games and those companies essentially. I also like that Clive as Efreet's like, oh, you can do that? I can do that too. <laughs> let me let me learn this from you. All right, like cool. That's, several of his moves are just like in the middle of these fights. He's like, oh, I can do that. Oh, sweet. I can do this too. It's like, I was like, okay, cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, And then like you get the, the later ones where like you combine with Joshua, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, do but, the fusion dance. Yeah, basically. We haven't talked about Joshua either. I forgot about that. He's He's there. He's there. He's kind of just there, and he coughs up blood a lot. That's his whole a, thing. A lot. A lot, a lot, That's a lot. essentially Joshua. Yeah, basically. He's fine. He's fine. He's But there. again, I think it's one of those things where, like, you just don't get a whole lot of time with him to really see, like, who he is, other than he's Clive's brother, and he's trying to keep Clive safe, and he coughs up blood a lot because he has Ultima inside him. Yeah, and... I mean, Dion kind of suffered the same fate of, like, mm-hmm. I wish we had gotten more time to know who he was. I think they, they tried by the end to really give him stuff. Like They did better with him than they did Joshua, he, in my he, opinion. He at least has an arc. Yes, that's true. <laughs> of, you know, being manipulated and going ham on his city and killing his dad and being like, well, I gotta, I gotta figure this out and <laughs> come to terms with all this. Whoops. Whoops of magoops. Um, um, yeah, he he was at least he had some interesting moments. But yeah, I wish we had gotten more time with him. But yeah, Joshua's there. They do leave um, that one plot line with him with Dion and like the medicine girl who just randomly shows up all the time mm-hmm. and is kind of important. And then his boyfriend who he just sends off to be like, hey, make sure she's taken care of. And then they just never bring that up again. And or what happens to either up. of them? Nope. Which is just like, all right, I guess. Terrence is that his name that sounds right yeah so like you don't you don't get there's no there's no black people in this game but hey we got we got a one gay character two gay characters okay so you're right two gay characters but then we uh bury the gay we bury the gay 
Yeah. Which I thought they were going to do earlier when, you know, you fight Bahamut and all that sort of yep, stuff. Same, and then same. they're like, oh, he's alive. But then he just dies at the end anyway. So. And I also mm. didn't understand why he could still become Bahamut, but like Jill couldn't become Shiva anymore. They they talked about how like there's a there's a line about how because like Benedicta does that as Garuda. True. And she she doesn't have the power, but she's still able to, to. No, you're right. You're right. To summon. um, But they basically mentioned that like. Well, I guess can, Titan too. Yeah, you. Because yeah. because we, we take his his Titan skills when we cut off his hands. I I didn't remember what, when it was, but he also mm -hmm. has like a crystal to help him, so that's a different thing altogether. Yeah, that's a different thing. Uh, but they they talk about how like even if your power is gone, you can still prime turn into the the icon. Mm -hmm. But there's more of a possibility that you'll lose control of yourself and not ah. be able to do things. So I guess that's what Benedicta does, but yes, doesn't have a with rage. Yeah, he he's able to control it essentially. Um. But yeah, they definitely bury the gay. Um, it was wild though when he he got that kiss because they were just like talking, like, "Hey, don't injure yourself in the battles. That's not cool." And like, let's talk about some war stuff and what's happened with the politics. And then they just start mm -hmm. making out. I'm like, "Hello." I thought there might have been something up with them too, because the way uh, the other guy like looked at him, and I was just like, "Hmm, there's something up here." Like he's giving him some looks. <laughs> I I appreciated that like it was just a thing. It yeah. was like a part of his character, but they didn't make it out into like a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just wish that we got more with him, and I also wish we learned something about his boyfriend mm -hmm. and what happened with the medicine girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. Does he just raise this girl by himself now? What happens? Who knows? He's just like, hello, small child. I am now your dad. I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, we've also been kind of skirting around the elephant in a room, and that is Ultima, who is just <gasps> so boring. I'll say, so Ultima, you know, Final Fantasy stalwart type of character, but in this, he's a god who basically created the this land and created the people of it and... Mm -hmm. Originally was at a different place, but then he comes here because the blight was coming, which is the blight is just like the land's dying, all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, creates all the people here, and then they don't, they get their own will, so he's just like, well, I'm just going to go go hibernate and figure this out later. And then he comes back and he's like, well, I don't like this, so now you're all going to die. He looks like a really f David Bowie. It's really messed up. The problem with Ultima, besides the fact that he has very boring... Objectives and motivations is that they make his voice actor talk like this the yeah. entire time. Except he for the talks, very end. Except for the end when he gets a little bit of emotion in his voice. But we have to make him talk very monotone, slow, and drawn out. So when you're playing the game, you can take a quick nap while these cutscenes <laughs> are playing. It's all. It's awful. It's bad. It's bad. It it's really, bad. really bad. And I know that this guy can do some good voice acting because he's Zed in Xenoblade 3, and he does mm -hmm. a really good job there. Yeah, it's just, it's very poor it's awful. directing. And it's just like, it doesn't help that the writing for this character is just very bad as well. It's The writing's god awful. Yeah, so like, obviously, you get the, all of that through most of this game. Um, and in the Barnabas. back third, you get Barnabas, who is just like, also a bad villain. He's he's simping for Ultima. Essentially, that's that's the thing. And his and, mom. <laughs> and his mom. And he, the whole thing about Barnabas is that he's just a. That's yeah. that's his whole plot. He just 
he just wants to fulfill Ultima's desires and doesn't care about anything else and honks you. He's so boring. It's so boring. And you get that back to back with the Ultima fight. It's just, it's real bad. Like, like we said, I think at the top of this, the back third of this game just falls off at a cliff. Yep. In terms of just being very poor writing and just like, you're just bored with these villains and their motivations and what they want to do and everything. It's just, it's so cliche. It's so right. It's so one dimensional. It's just, it's, uh, it's not good. Not good. Like the whole time Ultima was giving his like speech in the final dungeon area, which is Origin, which is also the name of Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Final no, it's a stranger dungeon. of paradise, really. <laughs> um, he's just giving that speech. I'm just like, dude, I don't f- care. You're just saying the same things that you've yeah. said already, and like we get it. You want to be the god of this world and kill everyone and restart the whole thing. Cool. Nailed it. We don't need yep. to go with this full dichotomy of like or just this full divergence of what you want to do it's fine we you could say one sentence and we would get it yeah and yeah i mean i just wish barnabas had some version of a like some character to him besides hey i like ultima and my mom <laughs> i look like noctis but older <laughs> he does look like noctis but older he he apparently a lot yeah, well maybe we don't know <laughs> I mean, he was he was he was with Benedicta at that one point. She we was don't. Really... I mean, to be fair, we don't know if that was actually her or not, considering what they show in that scene where he's just going through different things and then it's just Ultima talking to him the whole time. Okay, you know what? You're right. I didn't think about that. Maybe f- maybe he doesn't get the. F- oh man, Barnabas! Not he's only just are naked you... in front of Ultima. Not only are you terrible, but you don't get the fuck, and you're just naked in front of Ultima. Like what a loser! Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and that Odin fight sucks. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just very long. It's very long. It's not as cool as the other icon Mm-mm. fights that you did. Like, and it's like interspersed with you actually having to fight Barnabas himself. The other problem with that whole section as well is that is you get nerfed. Yeah, like, and that's a, that's been a problem like in Final Fantasy fourteen as well, where like they'll introduce new villains and like they'll just be infinitely powerful than you, even though like you've killed gods and all this sort of shit. Right. And like, I hate when games do that. Like, that was the thing in I think uh, Xenoblade Chronicles two that the, mm-hmm. near the end of that game where it kind of does the same thing. And I'm just like, this sucks. Yeah. And when they introduce Barnabas, it's like immediately he's like, oh, I'm way more powerful than you and I can just beat you up and your sword play is just garbage, even though like you've been playing this game for 50 hours now and you're very good at what you can do. But then he's like, and you're like, oh, what's the sword? I don't know how to use it. Oh, no. Like Clive turns into a loser with the sword. Like he acts like he's never held one in his life twice for these fights. And I'm like, bro, what happened to you? Like, if you wanted to do these kind of, that kind of thing earlier in the game, yeah, that makes sense. I can totally buy that more than doing it near the end of the game. Do it pre-time skip. And, like, not be a thing where, like, you don't really, it's not like Clive improves or anything. It's just like, okay, I leveled up. Now I can hit you better. Right. Like, if they had done one of these fights with Barnabas, like, before the five-year time skip, okay. That would have been fair. Yeah, sure. But no, they do two back to back, very near the end of the game, and Clive's just like, super "I can't stupid. fight him." And then all of a sudden, "Oh, never mind, I can fight him. It's fine. It's real it's because I had sex." <laughs> That's how that works, actually. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, That's what was... the Lonely Island song's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> 
it's just, so, yeah. I don't know. It's bad. It's a it's a bad part all around. And then a, once you finish that up, you get the Ultima fight, and that's the end of the game after you do 30,000 side quests, and then that part's not good either. No, that's side quests, and the Ultima fight are not good. No, it's just here's all your folks are going to die, and then... <sighs> Well, not all your folks. It's just you, Joshua, and Dion are going to die because mm-hmm. you're going to sacrifice yourself to save the world. Mm-hmm. And you'll beat Ultimate up, and he'll have some emotion in his voice when you're beating him up a lot, and he'll be like, I don't understand what's happening. And then you beat him up, and then everything's fine. Except for those three. Everything's not fine for them. Yeah, Dion, like, takes a big hit as Bahamut and, like, falls while he's bleeding from the head. Joshua gets a hole in his chest. Yeah, Ultima's like, oh, I'm taking that back from you. Blech. And so, yeah, there's a big hole in his chest. And he talks for like 20 goddamn uh... minutes while he's bleeding from the chest. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, come on. And, and then, then, he, and then he gives gives you Phoenix. Yeah, and then Clive dies on a beach. Which brings us to... <laughs> so let's talk about this ending. I know you uh, you are not happy with this ending. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, like I've said before, that this is a good ending. It is very yeah. cliched. Yep. It is something they've done in the series before. It's something a lot of series have done before. So, like, it's not super surprising or anything. But I think it's, at the best, it's okay. It's whatever. Like, I don't really have super high opinions one way or the other. I will say, though, like, I saw the, the, the Clive sacrifice coming from, like, a mile away just because, like, it just felt like that was going to be the thing that they were going to do. Um, and, like, the way they built up the whole fight going into origins that it's like essentially it's just a suicide mission sort of deal so i wasn't super surprised that they killed off clive and joshua and dion as well i will say though if we don't get some good uh uh character music videos for clive set to the uh the you know, the great song by creed my sacrifice <laughs> then i don't know what we're doing with our lives oh my god I want to see some cool moments of Clyde, and you just hear in the background Scott Stapp yelling, "My sacrifice!" <laughs> and it just goes on and on like that. If people don't make it, then that's our mission. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we we've skirted around it a little bit. I f- hate this ending. You do. You are not. I, f- <laughs> I f- hate this ending. You are very, <laughs> very vocal about that. Um, Salty Al is here. She has been unleashed. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't get too upset that you start choking like you did the last time we (laughs) talked about this. Oh, yeah, you're right. I did choke. I had to, like, use my inhaler and everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So don't get that riled up. All right, keep me in check. Keep me in check. Um, (laughs) I I think that this entire ending sequence is absolute bullshit, terribly written, makes zero sense whatsoever. Um... Because, like, okay, Dion going in, sure, like, you don't have a whole lot to live for at this point other than your boyfriend and your your new child that you're not even going to deal with, I suppose. Um, but, like, yeah, I could see him taking the hit. Um, Joshua dies and then gives you Phoenix. Which you kind of already then, have. <laughs> which you kind of already have because he gives you the, 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 the powers when he knights you and you wink at him. Um, and then you fight Ultima. And then for some reason, you're required to, like, absorb his power, which I don't understand why. It's unclear why that has to happen. I guess so, like, he's done for for good and can't come back? And maybe it's just a whole thing to deal with Clive's power of being able to absorb other 
powers like that. I but guess. Clive chooses to go over there and put no, his I, hand yeah, over. Yeah, you're right. You're like, right. You're right. I'm like, I was left. Get there. Um, but then you go back, and he's like, "Oh man, sad boy hours again." Because I got back, and my brother's still dead. I'm gonna use Phoenix powers on him and bring him back. And then, oh Should no, use that Phoenix down in his chest to just like boop. He would've been fine. He's like, "Oh man, this uh, this power is too much for this vessel." And I'm like. There was no indication that this was going to happen. You didn't explain this at all. You give me some lore that this might potentially be the case. Um, the powers Jot- of the god are too much for a human. He's going to go kaboom. Yeah, because like it's never happened in an RPG before <laughs> that like you 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 kill a god and yeah, everything's that, that's, fine. That, no, that that stuff counts. It's fine. Looking at you, Xenoblade Chronicles one. Um, Looking at you, Shin Megami Tensei. <laughs> yeah, like it. it it's you would the build up to this fight is literally everybody saying like the reason why you're different is because you have these connections and the reason why you can withstand all this nonsense with ultima which like i don't know how anybody deals with these belts is because you have these 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 firm relationships the power of friendship compels you basically and then you have this whole conversation with Jill of like, you better come back. Like, you're going to come back. And he's like, yeah, I'm definitely going to come back. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, never mind. Not going to come back because I have to absorb this power. And also I'm going to revive Joshua because Joshua needs to live for a second time. Even though, like, I don't know, somehow Phoenix just doesn't ever give up on Joshua. Um, and like, I, I get that he wanted his brother to live because that was like his whole motivating thing that, basically the entire game yeah but i felt like it would have been a lot more powerful if joshua had just been dead and he had to deal with that because joshua should have died at age 10 he should have died a lot of times he should have died a lot of times but he should have died at age 10 and so it felt like a a nice like bookend on his story of like you know he was able to do what he (laughs) shut the up Uh, to his story, and they're like, he, he, you know, this is something Clive's gonna deal with. But no, Clive's dead. Josh was alive, sure. Um, now, hang on a second here. I'm gonna say from Wikipedia here. Okay. It says his fate is left ambiguous. That's a <laughs> lie. <laughs> um, and then, and then they have Clive die by himself on a beach. Yeah, that's Look the same at- beach that uh, you you see Mickey Mouse and. The other dude from Kingdom Hearts, and, and they're, he's just their black coats, looking up at the at the moon because him and Jill had Me a conversation with the, the, the about the moon and looking at the moon, and then Jill sees that the red light goes out, which I don't even know what the red light was, and, and then she starts crying because she realizes that Clive died, and the then like oh um Gav's happy because a kid was born and he's apparently adopted this child um. But he mm-hmm. cries because he realizes what happened. And then Jill and Torgle go out and like watch the sunrise and um Ooh. like she stops crying because I guess everything's fine now. Um <laughs> Sun's up, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. And and then you get the end where it's like Which these I, two... I I guess you should say as well, like the reason Clive dies on that that beach is because the, the bearer's curse is turning him into stone. Yes. And that's why he's dying, essentially. It's yes. not just because, like, oh, he took the power, and now he's going to go, bleh. Right, right. Um, and so we see his hand turning into stone. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I mean, like, the sunrise is supposed to, I think, symbolize the fact that, you know, he was able to dispel all the stuff that was turning people into Akashic. Um, because everyone's like, oh, no, I hate this weather. It's, it's scary. And all everybody turned into demons. Um, so I think that's what that was about. Um, but then you have the very, very ending scene where you have these two small boys and they're running around playing and their mom's like, hi, hello, set a fire. And he has to like use flint and a rock and try and like make the fire happen. And Like a caveman. Like a caveman. And he's like, I wish I had the power of Ifrit. And she's like, haha, those are dumb stories. Those never happen. Um, there's a dog in this part too, which is great. Um but then, like, they, they talk more about the story, and then it zooms into a book that's Final Fantasy written by Joshua. <laughs> Which reminds me, there was a good line in the ending where where Clive does make a reference to Final Fantasy. He's, he basically says, like, something about, like, this is your fantasy, and it's a final one. I was like, okay, well, you know, somebody knew what they were doing there. But, yeah. did it again. The the book is is um is, is Final Fantasy by Joshua. Yep. Um, I have seen. It's the Final Fantasy. This is it. They're never making another one. Um. No, it's the Final Countdown. <laughs> same thing. Uh, I've seen some theories that Clive didn't die. Yeah, his fate is left ambiguous. Of course, thanks to source Wikipedia, that your number one source for all things knowledge i thought you said joshua's fate was no clive what clive's fate is apparently left ambiguous how i guess because you don't see him die die yeah i mean i guess we didn't see him turn into the dust um but i mean i don't know how you're coming back from that and there's no indication that he lived unless what they're implying, which this is what some of the, I, I've read theories about this because I hated this ending. Um, <laughs> that like the sunrise is because there's a conversation with Jill where she was saying like, you'll always come for me like the sunrise, blah, 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 blah. And like the sunrise was supposed to indicate that like he didn't actually die and that the red light going out is the magic dying. Um, and that like Joshua actually is dead. And that the book was written by Clive using Joshua's name. I was like, why would he use Joshua's name? What? Why would he do that? That's stupid. It's my new pen name. <laughs> like, what? What? Um, but I have seen... And, and I mean, there are many, many people that are convinced that Clive is alive. I'm like, you know, if he is, then that takes part of my concern about this ending away. But also... The writing up to this point was a show, and the ending didn't help it at all. Um, and like Final Fantasy is known for some ambiguous endings, like Final Fantasy VII is is pretty ambiguous at the end. Um, but then you Final also Fantasy have stuff. Is real ambiguous when Squall dies at the end of disc one. No, no, <laughs> no, no. And and see, that's the thing is that like think about Final Fantasy VIII and Final Fantasy IX. Um, with Final Fantasy VIII, you know, Skull gets stuck in the, in the abyss, and Renoa is able to find him, and then, like, it ends, but then you get the final scene where you see them on the balcony together, and she points up at the star, and you're like, okay, everything's fine. And in Final Fantasy IX, you think Zidane sacrifices himself to, to save Kuja, because it's his brother, um, 
But then he comes back at the end and he's like, hi, hello, I love you. And yeah, she... but those are light fantasy games. This is dark fantasy. Not everyone gets a happy ending, a dark fantasy. I mean, several people <laughs> died. Gotta have ah. several more. Um, we had self-sacrificial thing with Final Fantasy XV. And so, like, it sucks to do the exact same thing. Well, we, with... we haven't read the book yet to see the true ending, so we can't really comment one way or the other on that. Oh! <laughs> it sucks to have it back-to-back -back with self-sacrificial protagonists where they die. Yeah, I mean, look, it is it is a common theme that Final Fantasy does, so... Well, it has died. Well, I mean, in terms of, like, self-sacrifice as, like, a theme that they will they will go into the final battle and do... That you right. may, that you, not necessarily that they die, but like you, you think that they will, or they eventually do, sort of thing. Like you just mentioned, like eight, nine are kind of like that. Tens like that. Well, um, ten 15. he was a dream the whole time, and then ten two he comes back. You're a dream. Oh, thank you. That's very nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's like it's not like necessarily like like you, you're saying like it's not a. This isn't a new thing that they have do they are doing for the series. Like this is a very kind of they've done this quite a bit recently, let's say. Yeah, yeah. And I think that part of why I'm so mad at this game is that they made me suffer through the back half of this game and then they gave me this nonsensical ending. Uh, that's fair. Like Yeah. Like, no, you gotta give me something to make me happy here, my guys. I think do you think if the like the back third of this game was better? Would it have made this ending better or worse for you, or would you still be kind of like I feel like if they had put some better scaffolding around it, it may have been okay. Mm -hmm. Um, may have been. Yeah. I still think that the way that they did it was really lame, and Ultima is just trash. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and I mean, I don't need my like handheld the whole time to figure out. Like, that's. That's not how I am when it comes to story. Like, I can tell you the parts of Final Fantasy VIII where you could talk to people and they'll tell you about like how GFs are messing with your memory and that that's that all propaganda. No GF. That's all propaganda, and you shouldn't pay attention to it. Like, I can tell you when that happens in Final Fantasy VIII because I pay attention to these things. Um, it's like when the big twists happen at the end. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. I didn't get that with this game, and if it was in one of those side quests and I must have missed it but um I mean, it's like not they, a good place to put that it's not a good place to put that and you know there is also a ton of lore in this game they have the whole like historian the lore lore book, yeah. yeah um and so like I tried to read through all that but even then like if you put that in the lore book you're missing something the, the this is a company in a series I should have learned from Final Fantasy VII's Zack Fair nonsense. Yes. I agree. <laughs> I very much agree because I still think it's absolute <laughs> that Zack Fair, the entire explanation of who he is and what happened is missable in Final Fantasy VII. That makes no sense. And so now we're going to have like, oh, hey... If there's some lore in this game that I somehow missed that, like, explain how this is all going to happen, then, like, cool. 
just just give me some better scaffolding. And also don't make your back third of this game absolute garbage. Don't follow that scaffolding. No, I mean like the the, the back half you know there there was the there was the Torgal side quest. It's beautiful. Um there was there was a good scene with Gav and his his story wrap up where they're talking about drinking and puking on boots. <laughs> that was fun. Got to have naked rock sex. Yep. And most of the characters just exist. Josh yep. was just there, even though he's supposedly one of the most important characters in this game. Yep. Dion's just chilling in in the hideaway and like you get talked to him, but he doesn't do anything. Like cool. I don't know, just give me something. Sorry, we can't do that. I don't know, maybe... I, maybe dark fantasy is just not for me. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, It's like Game of Thrones, I watched all that, and I, I don't like Game of Thrones either. Yeah. Uh, I just... When we played the demo, and it had that intro set piece, and like all of that going on I was like this is amazing like they're they're yeah. doing some really cool stuff here the first half of that game is pretty good it seems and then just yeah. stuff kind of falls off yeah it's unfortunate it it is it is very unfortunate and again people give a lot of to Final Fantasy 8 and the back half of that game but like there was actual stuff that was in the game that led you in that direction Also, you still have, like, Laguna, who is giving you some, like, good comic relief. He's in his, his shirt. He's in his dad's shirt. Ugh. Um, But, I don't know, it's just, I, I, I hated it. And I don't know if they're planning on DLC. I know that the, the wiki we were reading said that it was not planned. Yeah, they haven't um, said one way or the other about DLC know... at this point. Like, where would you even go from here with DLC? Like, do you do, like, Joshua's story? Do you do Dion's story? Like, do you actually clarify what happened with Clive if he is or is not dead? Which he's, he's, I don't know. Maybe Clive comes back and he's just missing an arm. He's just, he, he comes back in Kingdom Hearts 4, of course. He cuts off his stone arm and is like, all right, now I'm one arm, Clive. He helps Sora. God. Gorsh. Gorsh. Hated this ending. Oh yeah, I guess we should also mention Zion, or Dion Dion Cazetta Flare. Oh yeah, he did. He's now up there with Donald Duck as the most powerful mages in all of Final Fantasy. You're right. So I got that. so mad. It was like you Zeta flared me. It's <laughs> real rude. It's rude. You Donald Duck. You little stinker. Yeah, little butthead. But yeah, Zeta Flare. That's that's what only the second instance of Zeta Flare we've had. I think so. It's kind of wild. Yeah. But he does that of Flaris. Little butt. I think that's Final Fantasy 16. Was I as mad as you expected? You were a little bit more subdued, I think. You didn't nearly choke to death, so that's good. <laughs> Proud didn't of you. need my inhaler this time. Proud of you didn't need to do that. Maybe I got it all out the first time we talked about it. And yeah. Made, made this a little bit easier on me. Hopefully that's the case. Ooh, buddy. Oh yeah, Final Fantasy I've also 16. been playing Trails, and so I've you know 
had a little bit more happiness. Well, except then. for when you were getting defeated at a children's card game, but that's a that's another story for another time. Wow, you had to bring that up. I mean, how rude. He's the only one I couldn't defeat. And then I come in and just defeat him first try. I yeah, better at that game than I am. I believe in the heart of the cards, of course. I don't. That's what I'll tell you. But that's uh that's that's Final Fantasy 16. It is the 16th Final Fantasy. Uh, they say the F word. They do hint at boning and then dark fantasy stuff and then dead. Dead. Torgal's a good boy. Torgal's a good boy. That's all you need to know. Yep. So yeah, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. If you'd like more from us, head on over to seasonalanimecheckup.com or sac.cools where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Jared Now Watch. You can also find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you'd like more from Anladium, go to anladium.com. She's got columns and reviews. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Anime Checkup. You can buy our books, One Shiny Moment, a critical analysis of Love Life, Sunshine, and Hot Tubs and Pac-Man on Amazon.com. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash sacova. Buy us a slice of pizza, get access to unedited versions of the podcast early. And a wealth of bonus content as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Next week, I don't know. We'll talk about something else. We're not going to talk about Trails because I'm not going to have finished that game by the time it's next week. I know for sure I'm not going to finish that game. So we'll talk about something else probably. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to finish the game by then. Look, it's it's you. You probably will. <laughs> Let's be real. Thank you. Glad you believe in me. <laughs> <laughs>